0: Eric, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm, I'm glad it's cold because then I got to wear this cool sweater. See, we have Psalm 121 on the back here. We are in week two of our, of our Psalms of a Sense series. So I'm actually going to take this off so I can show you how cool this sweater is. Look at that. How much are these Eric? 393. So you just gotta stop by Eric's office. Okay, Psalms of Ascents. And... See this picture here? Uh, I took that picture at our last retreat. Anybody like that mountain up there? Mm-hmm. My father made that mountain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. My, 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 my yes, and you're your father as well. Today, in week two of our Psalms of Ascents series. We're we're going in Psalm 121, and I'll I'll begin. I'll begin with a, a confession. I I often forget. I often forget things. I forget, and I and I look to other things for my comfort and my protection. I go to things that that aren't God that make me feel safe and they make me feel protected. Now, I think if you're being honest, you would say the same thing. If you, were, if you look deep down inside, you say, well, I feel safe because I did this. I feel safe because I put my money here. I feel safe because I, I put this in my body. I feel safe because I'm wearing this. Or, and you go on and so forth. And, and sometimes God's not even in the, in the equation when he should be. Psalm 121 is a psalm that reminds us of where our true help comes from. It comes from, from God. So the title of the message here today is God is our true help and our true protection. He's true help and true protection. I'll just give you the, the, the summary of the passage right at the beginning. Verses 1 and 2 talk about God is our help. He's true help. Verses a 3 and 4 talk about God as a protector. So Six times protection, 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 protection comes up. The first two verses are about help and then the next uh, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight verses talk about protection. Verses three and four talks about, talks about how often God protects. So he's on watch 24/7. Verses five and six talk about protection from, from physical things like the sun or the moon. And then verses 7 and 8 talk about protection from not physical things, spiritual things, things that we can't be seen. All types of harm. Psalm 121 is so popular. Sadly, last month, Queen Elizabeth died. And when they did her procession, her committal service, guess what they played as, as they carried her, her body in? They played Psalm 121. It's a beautiful rendition of Psalm 121. If you go on Spotify and you, you look up Psalm 121, a ton of songs come up. I mean, a whole bunch of songs come up. Guess how many songs come up in total? Just anybody guess on Spotify. 121. 50, 120 Oh, <laughs> that would be awesome. 121. <laughs> who, said, who said that? Yes. Uh, guess how many songs? Five. Five. Well, no, there's, there's 10 up there on the screen right now
1: a thousand
0: a thousand songs different languages different renditions instrumental i found like an indie rock psalm 121 i found like a goth uh 121 i found all there's probably a punk rock and a blues uh, psalm 121 but there it's there's so many versions of psalm 121 now I want to play for you a different version. I, I look up apps just, just for fun. I, I want to see how different people are getting the word of God and getting it into the souls of our young ones. What kind of apps do we have that help people who, who don't know how to read? And we have apps that just, we have little devices that we give to, to people in, uh, in indigenous countries that the Bible's in their own language. So I'm fascinated with all these things. But I want you to listen to This verse read in in, uh, this app by Emily Freeman, she's gonna read it in the NASB and in, in the voice.
2: Psalm 121, the Lord, the keeper of Israel, a song of ascents, read from the New American Standard Bible. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains, from where shall my help come? my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth he will not allow your foot to slip he who keeps you will not slumber behold he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep the Lord is your keeper the Lord is your shade on your right hand the sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Psalm 121, a song for those journeying to worship. From The Voice I look up at the vast size of the mountains. From where will my help come in times of trouble? The eternal creator of heaven and earth and these mountains will send the help I need. He holds you firmly in place. He will not let you fall. He who keeps you will never take his eyes off you and never drift off to sleep. What a relief. The one who watches over Israel never leaves for rest or sleep. The Eternal keeps you safe, so close to him that his shadow is a cooling shade to you. Neither bright light of sun nor dim light of moon will harm you. The Eternal will keep you safe from all of life's evils, from your first breath to the last breath you breathe, from this day and forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Isn't that good? Isn't that good to hear the Word of God read. Now, there's another version I want you to uh, hear. Now, uh, for those of you who are uh, more traditional, brace yourself. This is uh, someone reading the Word of God to to a, a hip hop beat. Okay, a different crowd. Let me see. This is called the Street Lights app, and the person is reading it in the NLT. The new living translations, more dynamic translation, and um, it, it, it reads the whole Bible. So listen to this:
1: Psalm chapter one twenty-one, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth he will not let you stumble the one who watches over you will not slumber indeed he who watches over israel never slumbers or sleeps the lord himself watches over you the lord stands beside you as your protective shade the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night the lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life the Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever.
0: Okay, that is Psalm 121. I, I show this picture here because this was one of our, our trips. In 2019, my family and I, we drove from Virginia Beach to San Clemente. That's a, long, that's a long way. We decided not to fly. We wanted to make an adventure out of it. 2,746 miles. My aunt my uncle, Uncle Mark and, and Auntie Vanjie came with us, so we had the eight of us. We had one blind, deaf dog who was on his last leg, two vehicles, six Marriott's, a lot of points, all the way across. Uh, that's, a, that's a long journey. So just by show of hands, or, or, or you can shout it out. What, what are some road trip road trip uh, traditions that you do when you're driving long distance? Anybody? DC um, to
1: uh, the world.
0: Okay. And so, what are, what are some traditions, Patrick, that you have Just what do you do in the, on the on the ride there? Oh. Uh, sleep. Sleep. Okay. <laughs> as long as you're not driving.
1: Capital trivia.
0: Okay. Capital trivia. Awesome. When I was a kid, we used to see if you saw a, a Volkswagen, you would punch the person next to you. A slug bug, or you punch someone if you see another. There's all different kinds of traditions that I'm sure the Israelites did on their way on their on their pilgrimage as well. But everybody's got different different um, traditions, and mostly people are going to be listening to music or podcasts. So if you go on Spotify, right, you'll see Road Trip Classics. Right? This is. This is something you just, you just look it up and you push play and you get to listen to your music on, on, the, on, your, on your trip. There's a Hot Road Trip Spotify playlist. Now, I'm gonna share something from the 80s. When I was a kid, we used to listen to, my, my parents had this on the stereo on repeat. All right, by Show of Hands. Who, who's listened to this before? All right, where, where's my 80s Christian kids here? Okay, and some new ones here. Salty, the singing songbook. This is this album from 1985. I got this whole album memorized, and it was just something we did along the way. So if we went on a trip, I mean, still to this day, it was like 30 years later. I still have all these songs memorized. We played it yesterday in the car driving to the Volksfest, and Jeanette and I knew every single song. If you want to get the word of God into your children's souls, let them listen to uh, music that has that a scripture let them listen to the stuff like this okay talking about uh different traditions and different travels the psalms of ascent were, were written for it's, it's sort of like the spotify playlist of the ancient world now there were three there were festivals and and uh, pastor eric talked about this last week there were three festivals that jews were commanded to take every year you have the feast of Passover, you have the feast of Pentecost, and you have the feast of Booths. You can we can look up those bo- we can look up those feasts later on. But basically, three times a year, Jews all over the ancient world were told to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Mostly, people th- today think of a pilgrimage like uh, let me see, a pilgrimage to Mecca, like with the Muslims have. But th- this was the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Three times a year, and there were several roads that people could have taken here. Now I looked up on the Commute app. if you seen the Commute app? It, you can chart your your commute, and it tells you how difficult it is. This one's 138 miles, and it says very, it's an expert hike, an expert hike. Which means don't do it if you're not an expert. Okay. Now there are three routes. If you lived in the area where Jesus is from, Nazareth the Sea of Galilee. There were three routes you could have taken. Here, you can't see it here, but there's a central route here down the middle. That was the most direct route. It went through a very dangerous place for Jews called Samaria. There was the eastern route, which crossed over the Jordan and went back across. And then there was the western route. If you wanted the sea breeze, you would go alongside the Mediterranean. It dep- depending on what, I mean, if, if for me, I, since there are six people in my family, I would think, okay, I'm not going to take the direct route because I don't want to get mugged. I don't want to get jumped by the Samaritans. So we have to take, I don't know, I don't want to go the, the eastern route. I'm, I'm a beach guy. You know, I'm in the Navy. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go alongside the beach. But that's going to take me, uh, That takes a long, that's the longest route. And my kids would say, oh, do we have to take the western route? Yes, we're taking the western route and, but I got a good playlist for you. We're gonna to listen to it the whole time. Mm-hmm. So different people, they came over from all over the place. Now, can you imagine doing a hike? There was this Marine that, that uh, was part of my church in California. He was a Marine in the sixties and they did a 150 mile hike. I mean, talk about, talk about the grunt life. It took them a long time and they hiked from, from 29 Palms to Camp Pendleton. That's a long way. You better bring a lot of socks because your feet could, could get out of commission real quick. What what are they hiking on here? Sandals. So you can imagine the kind of drama that could happen from from traveling 138 miles with your family. I mean, I remember one time when we went, moved from Hawaii to to Rhode Island. I'm wearing two dogs, all the children. All, we had three at the time. They're all little. We had the stroller that was like too wide, and another one, and everybody, and we had like. 15 luggages that's crazy right going through the airport that's nothing compared to what they're going through they have donkeys there's all kinds of things going on so this is the context of the psalms of ascents now if you look at how i worded psalms of ascent or psalms of Ascents in the, in the first slide i put ascents now the scholars tell us it's well The the psalmist writes psalms of ascents, because there's more than one ascent. There's the ascent to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem is the highest point out of all all the cities. So if you're going to go to Jerusalem, it's an ascent. And then when you get to Jerusalem, there's another ascent. There's 15 steps at the temple that ascend up to the temple where you worship. So these are psalms of ascents. You sing them when you're traveling up to Jerusalem, and you sing them when you get to the temple, and you're, you're walking up the steps. As, uh, as Pastor Eric showed on the first week, if you came from Jericho, by the time you hit Jericho, there's 20 winding miles all the way up, from the base of the hill all the way to the top. But if you're from where Jesus was, then you're all the way up there to the Sea of Galilee, and that's 138 miles that's a, over a week travel. So I, I say that to say this: when you read Psalm 121, you have to keep this in mind on what's going on in the context, what's going on in the journey, how grueling it must have been. You think there's drama on the way from here to Garmish? This drama on, on, on a seven-day journey when someone's already they're already taken off and oh my gosh, I forgot I forgot my toy back there, like dude, we ain't going back for your toy. Okay, so all the same drama that we have today, they had it back then, but it was just, it was just exponential. So what would they do on the way to Jerusalem? They would sing these songs. Scholars tell us that perhaps Psalm 121 was sort of a call and response type thing. So someone on this side as they're hiking along. Sort of like, like hey, well, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about, you know, have you been to a, a rally where they do that? It's probably like that, where I lift my eyes up to the mountains, and then the family on the other side say, oh, I know the rest of this lyric. Where does my help come from? And then they go back and forth. My help comes from you, maker of heaven and earth. And they're singing this. I would have loved to hear a recording of, of what was actually sung back then. I would have loved to. So as we read this passage, verse 1 says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Now these mountains are treacherous. They're treacherous. There's a a couple of theories on what this means here. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? The ancient Jews were told often, "When when, when in danger... You run for the mountains. The hills are a safe place. When, when in a bind, just run to the hills, run to the mountains. It's also a safe place because guess what's at the top of this mountain? The Holy of Holies. What could be safer than the Holy of Holies? Like a, a, an actual geographical location. Here's where you got to be. I got to head up there. So, so mountains here could be a place of safety. So the psalmist could be saying, I lift my eyes up to those mountains, but where does my my help come from? Where does true help come from? A geographical location, like if I cross this line, then I'm good, or does my real help come from God, maker of heaven and earth? So it's sort of a check, like, okay, we know that's a safe place, but where does our true help come from? The psalmist is is redirecting people's attention, like, "Don't, don't, don't forget. Okay, it's safe to it's safe to be there, but where does your real help come from? As my family and I were walking to Volksfest on Thursday, we were walking along this busy road, and there was these guardrails. There's these guardrails uh, protecting us from from the cars. I felt safe. Right? I felt I really felt safe. It was safe to walk because of the guardrails. But where does my true help come from? So there could be physical protections in our lives, but where does our help really come from? Now there's there's another there's another way to think about mountains. But as, as people are traversing this thing, and then they, you, can you see this picture here? And you imagine, they've been singing um, all 15 songs of ascents. They've been singing all 15 for 138 miles, and then they peek over and they see this glorious city. What a, what a joy. They see the smoke rising up because there's... There's sacrifices being made. There's people being forgiven. There's, there's joy. You see here they have trumpets. They've been singing this the whole time. And then they get, they get to this place. And then they, they get closer and they closer and they go. It makes it all worth it. So they've been singing as they ascend up the mountain. And they've been singing. And then when they get here, I've, I've written down. I've done, I did some research. It says there are steps that Jesus and his disciples hung out on. These steps right here, you see them at the bottom. There's 15 steps there. Uh, They are a mere 7 inches to 10 inches high. Each step is about 12 to 35 inches deep, forcing whoever's ascending these steps to just really take their time. And they would sing these 15 psalms as as they're going up these steps. I've actually stood on these steps, and I've read the psalms of ascent as i'm walking up these steps it's a real place now kids did you know this is a real place the bible is real the, did you know that these places right here what i'm gonna show they're still here today now they've been ravaged in AD 70 this temple was destroyed by the romans they sacked it they burned it but they're still it's still there god is real All these stories you read in your Bible, children, listen to me. It's real. Several of us have been to these places and we've seen, we've stood on these steps. Okay, I want to encourage you. Sometimes you've been hearing this Bible your whole life and you think, "Ah, it sort of seems like a fairy tale. It's not. It's real places. Okay, so imagine this. As they're walking up to this thing, they get closer and closer and they see it. So this is Solomon's temple. There was two temples. There was... There was a Solomon's temple, and then there's Herod's temple. Uh, this, is, this is Herod's temple, the big immaculate one, and, and it's broken down. And what scholars tell us is that musicians would stand, the Levites, the musicians would stand on the 15 steps that, that come from the women's courtyard and down to the uh, Israelites' courtyard. You can't see it here, but the women's courtyard is here, and there's 15 steps there that all these musicians are standing on with all their instruments, welcoming all the pilgrims you imagine that like you have traveled a long way over a week and you're just welcomed with people singing the same songs that you've been singing the whole way and it's not like 99 bottles of beer on the wall I mean these, these are these are songs these are rich in tradition they have been oppressed they've been these are songs that they would have just let comfort their their souls Okay, and as they get that, imagine this now. You get there and you get inside the court and you're greeted with this. Now, I read this from, from a uh, scholarly commentary. It says, the pious and men of action would dance before the people who ascend, uh, attended the celebration with flaming torches that they would juggle in their hands. Imagine that. It's like a circus. Like they're, they're juggling And they would say before them the passages of songs and praise to God. They're singing the the same songs. The Psalms of Ascent. And the Levites would play lyres, harps, cymbals, and trumpets, and countless other musical instruments. That's what they're looking at when they come. They're singing these psalms. They get there. And that's a picture of it today. It's still there. And you can go there. And you can... Read the Psalms of Ascent as you walk up these things. It's, it's, uh, let's pray that we get, as a chapel get to do an Israel, Israel trip one day. Can we do that? Annie already has the package ready. We just have to be able to take the time off and go there. But what, when you do, it brings your black and white Bible to life. So let's go, let's just really quickly pick apart some words here. We talked about the mountains being a place of safety. There's also another perspective that the mountains could be a very dangerous thing. So when people said, hey, are we doing the trip again? Yes, yes, kids, we're doing, we go three times a year. Uh, my family, we're averaging garbage three times a year for our summer resiliency conference, for our winter resiliency conference, and then maybe for uh, a chapel uh, family conference so three times a year we go to Garmish but three times a year they would go way longer than Garmish is from here and one of the things that might be going through their mind is like that's dangerous dad why do we keep doing this trip there are thugs and thieves waiting in the hills for them and their were there are people waiting uh bandits whatever you name it They're, hey here comes here comes those israelites when they cross, I'm going to hide in this cave here. And then when they go up, you knock out the dad or whatever, and we'll steal their goods. I mean, this stuff happened. So the hills could be dangerous. When the psalmist is saying, I look up to the mountains, where does my help come from? It could be this. Man, that's dangerous. Why, why do we do this every year? For what? God understands. He, God will still love us if we don't do this trip. You've heard this before? God, I've been told all God still loves you if you don't go to church. We're like, yeah, okay. I, I get that. It's probably the same things that they struggled with back then. There's people waiting up there for us. Why would we do this trip? Well, where does our help come from? There's another way, it, what, reason why it could be dangerous, is there's a lot of idol worship going on, people worshiping different gods, the god of Baal, and that's also at the top of this mountain. If you can't see this, this is Baal. So there's idol worship going on. So when Israelites are traveling up the mountain, one of the temptations that they could be going through is they could stop and they could see people worshiping another god and, and they were actually tempted. Why don't we just stop here and, and we, could, we could worship here. It was an actual temptation. Now, let's be honest here. Let me ask you to be vulnerable. How many of you uh, this week really wrestled with bowing down to a golden calf? Nobody? No, we don't do that anymore, right? We don't have idols today. Wrong. We have idols. They're just different form. I want to share with you one of the most influential books that I have ever written. I'll put it in top three. Tim Keller wrote this book called Counterfeit Gods. It's about idolatry. And I used to think idol- idols were those little statues that someone had in their house that they're bowing down to. I used to, when I've 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 been all over the world and I used to think idols were these statues that were in gold in Thailand and in Southeast Asia and people are bowing down to them. It's not what an idol is. An idol is anything that's good that I've made it the best thing ever. An idol is making something matter more that doesn't matter most. John Calvin said it best our hearts are idol factories. Here's the litmus test for how to know if you have an idol. If you've ever said the word, the phrase, if you've ever started a sentence, I need, and that sentence doesn't end with the word G-O-D, then you have an idol. Okay? Watch this, parents. Don't feel convicted. I'm just going to throw this out there. If you've ever said, I need you to eat your vegetables. Okay? I need you to eat your vegetables. That's not God, so if it's not God and you think you need it, it's now crossed from a good thing to idols. Okay, I'm sorry if that convicted you or reminded you of last night, but okay, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm confessing my own sins. I need you to talk to me a certain way. Well, actually, I don't. See, when you start to get rid of idols in your life, then you need nothing from anybody. It's the most freeing, liberating thing ever to not have any idols. Because that means nobody owes you anything. Uh, husbands, if, you're, if you don't have any idols, then your wife owes you nothing. Uh, wives, if, you're, if you don't have any idols, then your husband owes you nothing. If you don't have any idols at work, then your work owes you nothing. If you don't have any idols in your neighborhood, then your neighbors owe you nothing. Just nobody owes you anything. You owe people love. Th- that's it. It's the most spring thing. But these idols, because our hearts are idol factories, they keep making idols. So these these thoughts in my mind keep going, hey, you need this, you need that. When the reality is we don't need anything but the Lord. I don't want to sound simplistic, but that's what it is. Never make something matter more that doesn't matter most. I fail at this daily. Just to be completely honest and transparent, I failed last night. And so I repent, and then I read other friends in to what just happened, and that's the cycle of my life confession and repentance in the midst of loving community and it's it's over and over and over again and so when I fail again it doesn't surprise me again because it shows that I need the love of God again and it shows me I need community again and so I don't want to be shocked by my 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 mind and my heart's uh, tendency to create idols just really quick the, the, the four idols that that Tim Keller lifts are the The idol of control. You can also say this is the worship. The worship of control, which means, man, I just really need to know what's going on here, otherwise I feel out of control. See, it's a worship thing. People think that by knowing more of something that they can have more control over it, but the reality is we control nothing except for how we react and we respond to things. The idol of power is the idol of getting the last word in. The idol of being right. The idol of, I have to get this title or this position at work. Is anybody convicted so far? I mean, I know I am, right? Everybody who's smiling and laughing is, is saying, yes, brother, I'm with you. I can identify with Ryan. I can do life with him because he's, he's saying he struggles with these things, okay? This is for parents. This is for children. It's like sometimes I just want to get the last word in. That's an idol, and I bring that to God and I say, God, I am worshiping, again, the idol of power. I don't need to, I just, I don't need this right now. I give it to you. I give everyone and everything to you. It's a practice called benevolent detachment. I give everyone and everything to you. Uh, a third idol is the idol of approval. We might think that this is only for teenagers on Instagram or people on social media, but this is everywhere. This is everybody. This is every. Everything in life is, okay, I'm going to do this so I get their approval. I've even linked it to, uh, I'm getting angry that children aren't going to bed on time because if they don't go to bed on time, they're going to be tired in the morning. And if they look tired at school, then I'm going to look bad. So, and I want the teacher's approval. You see see how intricate and messy it can get? It can get really messy. Sin's really messy. But when I live for God's approval only, who, last time I checked, God fully fully approves of me and he loves me and he accepts me just the way i am then i don't have to do anything for to other people's approval we are constantly bombarded with the approval of of man you if you all you have to do is just three swipes on your phone and you're inundated with you got to do this to impress those people you got to do this so the cool kids can think you're cool The, the assault the attack happens when you're from elementary school all the way until you're a grandpa or grandma. Okay? Are the, are the children hearing me? It doesn't matter what other people think about you, what they say about the the way you dress or or what you do on Sundays. The only thing that matters is what God thinks of you. And if you could if you could carry that in elementary school, in junior high, and high school, you'll be solid if you keep your eyes only on God. But this thing is a relentless attack. And the idol of comfort is is the idol of, I'm not going to do anything that makes me feel uncomfortable. When in reality, Jesus calls us to do a lot of things that are uncomfortable. One is confess sin. The enemy wants you to keep it inside and hide. God says, nope, nope just always always let it out. Express what's going on inside to someone who, who loves you. And that's going to be my challenge at the end of this message, is if you've never experienced that, there's a, there's... The practice of getting all these idols out there, so that they're no longer our gods, they no longer keep us down. So, so this is this is just the, this is the mountains, right? It could be people could be thinking about there's idols up there, there's danger up there, or there's safety. Whatever the case is, God is our real our, our real help. Okay, now I'm just gonna breeze over the rest of this passage. Verse three: He will not allow your foot to slip. So, where would their foot slip? You saw how rugged the terrain was. It could actually be a physical slip. Okay. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not sleep or slumber. He does not slumber or sleep. You know what I love about living on base? Now, now, like nine years ago, I we, Jeanette and I said, Ah, we will never live on base. We will never live on base because we loved living off base. And then we lived on base, and there was just a different feeling on base when you live behind people who don't sleep. Like, gate guards do not sleep. At least they're not supposed to. You ever seen a gate guard asleep? Okay, don't answer that if you you, you have. That's that's, (laughs) military never sleeps. But these guards, and I just found this image on Google, but they don't sleep when they're on watch. How does that make you feel? Does anybody live on base here? Like, how does it make you feel that people with guns loaded guns in their train, they don't sleep, they're always vigilant, are at the gate guarding you. It makes me, it makes me feel good. And, and I've, I've deployed a lot and I've left a lot, I've done a lot of trips, and when I've left, I felt the safety that, that the guards were, were watching my family. I feel safe that uh, while my children are going to school right down the street here, that there's MPs just constantly roving this place. But that's still earthly protection. Because God is my true protection, and he never sleeps. Think about that. He never, he's always on the watch. I can rest well at night. So that's verses three and four. Uh, verse five, the Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. That's verse six. There were some, some commentators that said, like, okay, the sun is obviously, uh, it's It's dangerous. If you're on the sun too long, it can burn you. If, it can give you skin cancer in, in the long run. That, it could be damaged. And the moon I wasn't so sure of, so I looked. I tried to research this a lot. And there was some superstitions that, that the, the Jews would believe that the moon uh, is harmful. Okay, and in either case, these are two elements of nature So showing that God is our protection over nature. And then you go to verse 7 and 8. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. Verse 8, the Lord will protect your coming and going now and forever. So we have here uh, verses 5 and 6 is the Lord protects from physical things. And the verses 7 and 8, he also protects in every other way. So you have the physical world, which can be seen, taste, touched, heard, smelled. You know, the five empirical things. And then you have the unseen world, the invisible world, which is your emotional life. Your spiritual life, your, um, your, this, the, the inside, right? Mental, emotional, spiritual. He also protects us from that. But someone could read this passage and go, well, that's, this is not true. This is, obviously, the Bible has another contradiction because I stubbed my toe the other day. He didn't protect me from that. God is transcendent. Do we know what that means? God is transcendent. That means that He is not limited. So we are capable of capable of understanding so when things happen on this earth it's hard for us to imagine that it couldn't serve a bigger purpose but God always has a purpose behind our pain our pain always serves a purpose there have been some atrocious things that happen in my life and if we sit down over a cup of coffee or tea sometime I'd, I'd be happy to tell you the whole thing that I would never want to undo because what it's done to me now and how it's shaped and molded me for a living, I listen to people's broken stories, for a living. I've been listening to people's stories, and the, atro- and the atrocities that happen, the wounds, the loss, the pain, the suffering that happens here, when people come out of it, they are glad that they went through it every time. Now, you ask them the same question in the midst of their pain, it's not so fun. It's not so fun. It's, it's why, am I, why would God allow me to do that? Why would God, why? And there's the legitimate questions. Why would God allow me to, why would he allow anybody to suffer like that? Um, my wife and I have sat down with people and heard their stories and we go, oh my gosh, I can't believe, I can't believe that happened to somebody. And then you ask them like, yeah, but, it, but it's, it's shaped and molded me. So you said God's doing something way bigger than the pain we might be uh, going through. And that's why he says he'll protect us from all harm he means like real harm like damaging harm the Lord will protect your coming and going that's verse 8 now I'm going to show a picture of someone's uh, doorstep here I didn't ask them for permission they're actually in the room here whose doorstep is this it's the Cobs. I was walking, I was walking by, their, by their apartment and I go look at that that's Psalm 121 verse 8 Their uh, Matt says I am blessed coming in and then when they read, I am blessed going out. That's Psalm 121, verse 8. I love that. Where do you guys get this? Okay, right there. You go. There's one. <laughs> <laughs> right there. That was a test that you passed. <laughs> okay, in, in closing, I, I want to say this. I want to brag about this ship, too. I'm inside that ship. That the, that's LPD-20 USS Green Bay, 685 feet of just gray haze underway. It's a Navy ship. It's an, it's an amphibious assault ship, so it's basically it's a glorified taxi for the Marines. Okay? We take the Marines, and they take them to battle, and they get off. The thing about this ship is it's, it's flat bottom, so it can go in the littorals, and it can go close to the shore, and it can ballast, and then these amphibious assault vehicles go out the back. It's, it's amazing to see. But the thing is, if you have a flat-bottom ship, it slides like this. It slides. The cutters and destroyers have a deep keel, so they're able to cut through the water. But this thing is so unstable. It's the most unstable ship that we have. But you you start to rock. And I've been on this thing with 18-foot seas. One time, the captain, or or someone on the bridge said, "Uh, heavy seas, heavy seas, remain inside the skin of the ship. And for me, I was like, I think that's my cue to go to go upstairs and see what's going on here. I grab my camera, I run up to the bridge wing, and I go, hey, I'm just gonna look outside really quick. And it was 18 foot seas, and this thing was rocking like this. And a wave hit, the, hit the, the front of the ship and over like 80 feet in the air, just water just <sighs> over me. It was just the most amazing thing. But I have never, I have never felt unsafe at sea. I've sailed all over the world on these things, I've never felt like we're going we're gonna to sink. One, because everybody's trained, but there's, there's, a, there's a quote here, and I don't know if Eugene Peterson said it or if uh, Goy Nasu said it. It's up for debate, but it, say, it says this. An entire sea of water can't sink a ship unless the water gets inside. So all the harm in the world, all the physical abuse could happen to us, all, people could call you mean things. And as a person who's always been the smallest person in his classroom, um, I know what it's like to hear... to hear. You know, elementary school and junior high and high school, those are brutal times. People can say some really mean things, right? You know this. People make fun of you. People could say whatever they want, but until it gets inside you and you start really saturating in it and go... It could never, it could never uh, bring you down. Why? Because the Lord is our protector; He'll protect us from from that inside, and He gives us the means to do it. This week, I want us all to practice. I want us all to practice this: looking to the looking to the mountains, and really asking ourselves, where does our help come from? Now, Matt, next time you feel. The next time you feel like putting your hope in something else for protection, I want us to repent. I'm asking us to repent as a congregation and and say, where does our real help come from? If you're doing something and you say, well, I feel safe because I uh, do this, because I only do this, I want us to repent and say, where does our real help come from? Uh, Do we have time to to end by singing this this song? I, I, I would like to end by singing... Singing Psalm 121. Um, we're going I'm gonna sing it. Feel free to join me if you want to. Feel free to just sit there and reflect on what you've learned from the Word of God today. And then and then we'll we'll I'll pray for us and then we'll we'll end there. Unless there's any more. Okay. So take some time right now. Prepare your hearts. Um, does anybody want to come up and sing? sing it? that our help comes from you. We thank you that we can um, get rid of every idol in our hearts, all the things we look to for protection to make us feel better, and give it to you, Lord. Lord, thank you for giving us community so that we don't have to do this alone. Lord, I pray that you would bless us this week as we um, apply these truths. Son's name, we ask this, Amen. Uh, feel free to join us uh, next door for for fellowship. All right, thank you. God bless you.